Alright folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as I am recording this. Following a win, finally, Denver gets off the schneid. They were uh, they were sliding there for a little bit, uh, but they get a, a much-needed victory. Final score of this one in Miami, 120-111. Wasn't as close as the final score sounds. Uh, Miami just hit a bunch of threes towards the end of this game. Uh, even at the beginning of the fourth quarter, like beginning, middle, end of, thir- of the fourth quarter, they scored 33 points. It never really was close because Denver was up by 19 going into the fourth. And they were up by 19 towards about the four-minute mark or so. It, it was uh, a lot of garbage time buckets from Miami, but Denver played really well. They were they were very, very good, was very, very impressed with what I saw from them. And you have to start in any of these cases with the, the main reason why they were good. Nikola Jokic returns. The Nuggets win. It's simple math, folks. Like it really does feel that simple sometimes that when Jokic is there and he's on his game and he continues to do everything that he generally does. Good things tend to happen to this Nuggets group. Good things tend to happen to a team that is built around a superstar like that that delivers every single night. And not having him over the course of these last few games, you start to get a a real appreciation for everything that is made simpler when he is on the floor. When, when When you have him on the floor as a teammate next to you, or as the coach in Michael Malone, it's very easy to go to him. It's very easy to count on him in a number of different ways. And I think we saw a lot of those weaknesses with Denver over the course of these last four games due to their lack of size, their lack of direction on the offensive end, and their lack of interior defense. We got to see a lot of that in this game. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool just to get back out there and go watch Nikola Jokic play. He had 24 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, had a steal, uh, shot 9 of 14 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. Just incredibly efficient. Knew exactly how to attack this Miami Heat team. And once again made Bam Adebayo look like just another guy. And Bam did have some baskets in the third quarter. He got together and and did some things. And the final stat line for him, 24, 13, and 6, which it looks very similar to Jokic. But it really felt different. It really felt like Jokic was allowing Bam Adebayo certain liberties uh, when he was scoring. And Jokic was just taking it on the other end, where the Miami Heat were switching. They were doing everything they can. They were doubling Jokic in the third quarter. Before the third quarter, Jokic only had, I think, one assist. And then they started doubling him and forcing other people to make plays. And Jokic just calmly made the passes, did everything that he could to free up his teammates for those baskets, and they converted on them. It was pretty simple. It was a very simple process. And it was like, that's just how it goes with Jokic. He was doing a great job of taking advantage of his mismatches, making sure not to settle, and you like to see that from your superstar, where when he comes back, things become simple, 
And I like that he kept it simple in a really hostile environment, or at least it could have been. It wasn't really tonight. Uh, Jimmy Butler didn't play. Tyler Hero didn't play. Bam played. Uh, and I have to imagine that if Markeith Morris would have played, there would have been a little bit more drama. But the way that Jokic started this game, where it was clear that he didn't care at all about what the Miami Heat crowd were going to say or do, he was just going to go about his business, grab some offensive rebounds, convert the easy putbacks. It was a solid plan. He let things unfold in front of him. And that just made everything simple for the rest of the team. Like I said, the process becomes simple when you have a player like that. And there's a comfort level in the rest of the team that happens when he raises everybody else's play. It was really cool to see. I'm glad that it happened. Um, I am very curious to see how the Nuggets now look going forward on the rest of this homestand, because with Jokic back, they just looked like a completely different group. They looked like a completely competent group at this case, where in the last few games, they just hadn't shown any competency. They didn't show any fight. Or they showed some fight, but it just wasn't followed up with the effectiveness and the efficiency that you need to be a good basketball team at this level. So I'm glad that they were able to figure it out. It's very good to see Denver make this work. And it's just great to see Nikola Jokic play once again. Let's talk about Aaron Gordon, who was excellent. He was all over the court tonight. Uh, just continued to play in such a way that I, I don't think the people expected this from him when he was traded to Denver. I think that a lot of people thought that they would be getting uh, the version of Aaron Gordon that came uh, when he was traded to Denver last year, where though it looked really good when he was on the floor with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter and guys like that, when when you took away some of those guys initially, he definitely struggled, definitely didn't look the same. Now he does. Now he looks like kind of a blend of the Aaron Gordon in Orlando, blended with the version here in Denver that he needs to be in order to stay efficient and effective. And it was really cool to see him guard Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, all at different points in this game and do an excellent job throughout the entire time. Sometimes he does lose his man when he's guarding an off-ball shooter, guys like uh, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, uh, even Duncan Robinson. That can also kind of manifest itself in backdoor layups where he's not necessarily used to chasing around those kinds of players. But what he's turned himself into is somebody who's so good at defending in every other situation that it makes up for it and quite clearly makes up for it. Whether he's on ball, whether he's rebounding, whether he's defending post-ups or on switches against bigger or smaller players, he's just very good. He's a, a multi-tool and has clearly uh, made the most of it heading into what I think is going to be his best season overall. I think that's that's kind of a wild thing to say, but I think this is his best season of his career. Offensively, he was fantastic tonight as well. He had 20 points. 
He had five assists, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, five assists, four rebounds, six of 11 from the field, two of four from three, six of eight from the line. He was skying for dunks, alley-oops, hit those two threes. He was just attacking the paint and drawing fouls and doing everything he could to impose his will physically. And that's what happens when you're healthy. That's what happens when you're physical. That's what happens when you're able to show off your athleticism that made you a dunk contest great. And now the shooting percentages are coming with them. It's up to 51.7% from the field, 35.7% from three, 75.9% from the line. Those would all be career highs. And I don't think it should come as a surprise to anybody that he's shooting the way that he is. Because this is the time where an athletic NBA basketball player that has made the most of his time as an athlete now starts to transition into that period where they have to continue the rest of their career. And how are they going to continue it? Are they going to be uh, an elite athlete going forward? No. He's, He's going to start trending down as an athlete the older he gets. So he's going to have to raise that skill level. And he's clearly doing it. Career highs as a shooter just looks very comfortable in a variety of situations. I wonder if he's having his Paul Millsap bump, where not necessarily the athlete, but as the athleticism kind of wanes, the shooting efficiency just improves in in concert with that. Uh, He's just going to be a guy who transitions his game to what the team needs. And right now they need him to be a good outside shooter. And that's what he's done. And that's great. That's good enough. If he continues to play like this, he is going to be all that and more on the contract that he's on. Uh, Will Barton hit some threes tonight. Uh, He was four of seven from the field, four of six from three. I thought that there were some uh, stretches here, especially with the bench, where he was both really good and really bad. Some of the stretches were pretty sloppy. Uh, where he turned over the ball multiple times in a row, didn't really attack the paint against this Miami Heat zone tonight, uh, was very much more of a a prober and a passer, somebody who would kind of dribble towards the three-point line and then pass it off to somebody else. Uh, still, he did what he had to do, and I don't think anybody should be complaining about 14 points, five rebounds, four assists, especially when it comes on four of seven from the field and four of six from three. Was still a plus four tonight, despite working with the bench. And that's what you need. That's You need that from a guy like Will, where he's going to he's gonna do a lot of different things for your team, and he's going to take the brunt of the pain when it comes to trying to lift up the bench unit, where they have some clear weaknesses. And I think the weakness tonight was in the front court. Uh, but there are going to be weaknesses from night to night, and He's going to bear the brunt of that while Jokic plays with the starters mostly. And that's okay, because that's how Denver's team is designed. Usually this would be Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray, so it is what it is. Uh, But I'm I'm not going to criticize Will Barton for a a couple of turnovers. He fit in. He did what he needed to do. Still had 14 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. That's great production. And then Jeff Green... Uh, did his thing tonight. Uh, there were a lot of guys, like it felt like Jokic and Gordon were just excellent tonight. And it feels like all three of the starters were also very good. Will Barton, I already talked about, but Jeff Green here, 12 points, five of eight from the field, one of three from three. The, the three-point shot that he hit was a very important 
corner three-point shot that forced a Miami Heat timeout. Uh, Jokic comes back into the game, gets the ball at the left wing, uh, is going to direct traffic and get a post or an entry pass into the middle of the lane for an Aaron Gordon dunk. Jeff Jeff Green's man rotates. I think it was Bam Adebayo in a switch situation. Bam Adebayo rotates into the middle of the floor. Jokic sees it a million steps ahead, passes it over to Jeff Green, who calmly knocks down the three. Despite the fact that in those scenarios, it's a long looping pass. There's a lot that can go wrong in that amount of time, and you get a little bit scared of the guy that's going to fly over and block your shot. Jeff Green catches it, calmly hits it. It's what you need him to do. Had a couple of other plays tonight. Uh, had three rebounds, but it wasn't like like he was. He was mostly just kind of filling in the gaps, doing a lot of rotational defense, and that was fine. That's that's all you need. He ran the floor well in transition today. That I I think that's what stands out in my mind the most. Is that when Jokic got the rebounds, get a good outlet out to somebody else, whether it was Gordon, Barton, Morris, then Jeff Green would be there in the the opposite lane to kind of clean up on some fast break layups. And that's that's what you want from him. You want him to use that athleticism, use that uh, burst that he has, even at 35. And Monte Morris, final starter here, 11 points, six assists, four rebounds, zero turnovers, five of nine from the field, one of four from three. Uh, he struggled at times to get the ball to Jokic in the post. Don't think the Jokic did a great job against the Miami Heat's uh, defense, whether it comes to Bam or P.J. Tucker or Dwayne Dedman. Uh, those guys were very physical with him. But Morris also wasn't really able to get a good angle on those passes. And he's had those struggles throughout his career, which is kind of surprising. Um, but he did a thing that you're taught in, I'm pretty sure, high school. But not high school. I think it's – I think – a lot of college coaches teach this, and I'm pretty sure that uh, he probably learned this at Ohio State or, or perfected it at Ohio State. When you can't get the entry pass into somebody that's fronting you, the baseline is going to be wide open if you can use your own man as a screener. And that's what he did on multiple occasions where he would see the defenses fronting Jokic, not able to get the pass into him and use that extra space to create an open mid-range jumper for himself. And with Monte, I think you give him the green light to do that because he's such a good mid-range shooter, very comfortable with that, that if you can get that as an open possession, he's about 50% on those shots. That's that's pretty good. That's about all you can really expect in those situations. So hope he continues to use that at least as a little bit of a counter. Uh, But 11 points, six assists, zero turnovers, it's all you really want. Like everything else is gravy after that. He did play the least minutes of any of the Nuggets, and part of that was because Faku played well. But part of it is I, I think Monte is still dealing with some injury stuff. Uh, just keep an eye on that. If I were you, he's uh, he's definitely a little bit banged up from from what I understand. So we will see. We'll see how he continues to play on this road trip. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the bench and and Bones Highlands big night. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. 
New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook also, they get their skin in the game with same-game parlays now. Combine new bets and multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. I used this when I went to the uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks game on Friday. Got myself a big payout, plus 1,100 odds. That's how you, that's how you know it's good. And I was able to combine some pretty easy bets that I knew would pay out. And that's what happens when you add more legs to the parlay. There's more money that you can win. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code MHS. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. We're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, Google, uh, the moon, wherever. I think we're we're delivering to the moon these days. It's pretty cool. Um, Let's get into coverage of the bench unit and and how I think it, it really becomes a lot easier when you shoot the ball well, when you shoot the ball with efficiency, with spacing, if the opposing team dares you to shoot like the Miami Heat did and the Nuggets deliver and make some shots, it becomes a lot simpler to be able to make these plays work and, and look good with kind of less than ideal circumstances. And I think we got to start with Bones Highland. Fro Bones Highland breaking out the fro tonight looks great. I think he kind of looks like Colin Sexton, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, he's just kind of a, a mix. It's 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 just uncanny. Uh, looks great with the fro though. That's a that's a a clear sign of a rookie that's in his bag. Uh, but he gets a career high: 19 points, three assists tonight, six of nine from the field, five of eight from three, two of two from the line. Also got an assist, only two turnovers, uh, was very, very good. Was a plus eight in a situation where a lot of the bench was a minus. And it, it really wasn't a minus. Like I, I will say the uh, the end of bench uh, garbage time lineup was so bad. Uh, Bull Bull minus eight in two minutes. Uh, Marcus Howard minus eight in one minute. So take Faku's line. For, especially with a grain of salt, because he should have been a plus five. Bones Highland was a plus eight. Uh, Faku should have been a plus five. That's my opinion. Uh, but Bones was great in this game from a zone-busting perspective. The threes that he attempted were deep. They were shot with confidence. 
And they were shots that the Miami Heat just could not defend because they could not extend that far. And it was great to see Bones convert on all of those looks because he had shot 29% or so from three uh, for much of the season before he went out with the ankle, ankle injury. Said to the media tonight that he could have gone, could have played in the previous game, but they wanted to hell hold him out one extra game. And it was probably the right call because he comes back, gets into a good rhythm, gets a couple extra days of rest, and looks fantastic. Looks like he never left. He's just playing with the confidence that you need to have in order to win these games on the road, where it's a tough situation. You're you're on the bench and you're in the minutes where Jokic isn't playing. And you, you know somebody has to step up. And tonight, the first guy to step up was Bones. Hitting five threes off the bench, scoring 19 points is just so valuable. Think of like Max Struess tonight off the Miami Heat bench, also scored 19 points. It felt like he was everywhere. It felt like the Nuggets were losing him at every possible encounter. I have to imagine Heat fans and Heat coaches were feeling the same way about Bones because the way that he was scoring, the way that he was getting to his baskets, it was from 28 feet. It was from well well beyond the three-point line. And when you hit those shots with regularity, it opens up the rest of the floor for everybody else. And that seems to be what happened tonight uh, with Faku Campazo. Faku looked awesome tonight too. 10 points, 5 assists, 1 block. Uh, that was a strip block, so I, I think it could have been ca- called as a steal, but People call it a block now, too. Uh, four of seven from the field, two of three from three. Faku did have a couple bad turnovers, but uh, what I will say, everything about Faku, everything about Faku's game, it looks a little bit rosier. It looks a little bit better, more palatable, uh, more reasonable for him to take some of the chances that he does, especially uh, when the shots are going in. He's now up to 37.5% from three this year. And it's a lot different from when you're shooting 20% from three. You can live with some of the extra stuff. You can live with some of the details where, oh, he he overran a play a little bit, accidentally gave up a backdoor cut. That's okay because he came back down the floor the next possession and hit a damn three. Sometimes he's going to get blown by. Sometimes he's going to get switched on to somebody bigger and foul or give up an easy bucket. But you can live with that as long as the shots are going in. That's the same for everybody. It's not just a Faku thing. It's, it's It really is a small guard thing in general, where as long as they're delivering the shots back, then you'll live with the shots that they give up. Isaiah Thomas was like this for Boston. Uh, J.J. Barea was like this for the Mavericks, and, and it was like that for the majority of his career. You can be successful as a small guard, but you have to be willing and able to shoot the three. That's my opinion. And I also like that he was able to shoot it and hit a floater today, too. That was a really great sign. Was that One of the shots that he hit, a floater uh, off of a closeout where the Nuggets worked the ball around on in the zone. They were throwing it around the perimeter, got it into the paint, kicked it out, swung it over to Faku, and then he drove the gap and hit a floater. 
and it's better because you don't have to take the ball all the way to the rim. You don't have you don't give the defense that extra step or two where they can recover. And if you lob it up over the defense, then they have a much harder time blocking it than you're at the rim. It's a it's a shot that he doesn't have to have the mid-range pull-up. He doesn't have to have uh the leaning two-pointer where he's uh kind of falling away. It's a very skillful shot. Have to have some touch and some artistry on that. The floater, you do have to have some touch, but it's mostly about getting it up on the rim and getting it into a place where you feel like it can drop at some points. And too often when Faku throws up floaters, they aren't really shots that he's given any chance to go in. But tonight, that that one shot was. He was very focused on getting it to the, the rim, getting it to the back of the rim. And then if it drops, it drops, and it did. I like to see that because I think the Faku has earned his way back into a rotation spot with the way that he shot. It's not the way that he's defended. It's not the way that he's passed. It's the way that he shot the basketball. And that's the difference, I think, between EuroLeague and the NBA is that all of your sins, all of your past sins can be washed away as long as you put in good effort and the shots go in. Because sometimes there are things that Faku can't control. Sometimes there are things Michael Porter Jr. can't control either. But he was always given a green light, a free pass of sorts, because the shots were going in. Faku can do that as well. He's shown the ability at times to be a very quality three-point shooter. And over the past few games, he's been shooting up like 50%. which was very, very good. And... I hope it continues. I, I want to see it continue. I want to see him do well, especially with Denver as shorthanded as they are. It takes everybody to step up. It takes everybody, and it's not always going to be a Bones Highland career high. It's not always going to be Zeke Naji getting 19 points out of nowhere. Uh, you're going to need other folks to be consistent, and if Faku can give you 10 points on seven to eight shots every night, that's great. You take that. You run with it. I really do believe that. Did have five assists tonight as well. Did a good job of uh, setting up his teammates, making sure that they were put in in good positions to uh, score themselves. And that's what a good point guard does. So as long as he's setting people up, as long as the shots are going in, it's going to be okay. Like he, He will make a good impact on this team. Austin Rivers, a a pretty nondescript night from him, I would say, but he fit in pretty well. Seven points, two rebounds, one assist at 16 minutes. Uh, Hit one three tonight. He was one of three. Uh, He's going to be a guy, especially in in zones like this one, where he's probably not going to get the ball because you're going to want to put the ball in Bones' hands, in Faku's hands, in Will Barton's hands. I still don't know what Austin Rivers does in the four-guard lineup. Denver got away with it today because they shot the ever-living hell out of the ball. Um, But in situations where they aren't shooting well, Austin Rivers is going to have to do more on the defensive end and on the rebounding end in order to make it work. I do think that the right lineup for Denver at this point, with the way that everybody's playing, 
If Jermichael Green gets back and healthy, I think the lineup they should be going with off the bench is Faku, Bones, Will Barton staggering, uh, Zeke Naji, and Jermichael Green. I don't think that you give up on Jermichael Green so easily. I think that you have to have some bigs. And though Denver got away with it tonight, it was pretty clear that they were very overwhelmed in the size department. Uh, and Aaron Gordon had to play 38 minutes because he played basically the last 10 minutes or the entire second half other than garbage time. Uh, he played 20 out of 24 minutes. And that's tough, especially if you don't have Jimmy Butler on the other side where he would have had to guard him too. So this is going to be tough. Denver, if they're going to, I think they're going to get back to Michael Green. He's not going to be out for a long time. But I do think that he and Zeke Naji should play next to each other. It shouldn't be a one or the other scenario, at least at the moment. Uh, but Zeke Naji was in for Jermichael tonight. He did have foul trouble against Dwayne Dedman, played just five minutes in the first quarter, then didn't play in the second quarter at all. Actually played the last five minutes of the first quarter and the last four minutes of the third quarter by my rotation chart. And then he played garbage time. Denver decided to go with Gordon and Jeff Green in the fourth quarter. Uh, towards the beginning of the fourth quarter, it didn't really work. So maybe there's something to that that they probably should have kept Zeke Naji out there. Uh, but Zeke's now shooting 62% from three. Like, he's just doing some absurd shit. So I think that he has to be out there from a size perspective, uh, from an athleticism perspective, and from a shooting perspective. He gives you more than a lot of other guys. And even when Jermichael Green comes back, I, I, I wrote about this in the Stiff's mailbag yesterday, and I think that it's probably just going to have to happen. We'll see what happens in Orlando. I don't know if, if Jermichael's going to be I – th I think Jermichael's going to be out for that game. But against a team like New York, for example, where Denver's playing in New York on Saturday, day after my birthday, by the way um, – Jamichael and Zeke Naji should probably be out there for that game. It makes the most sense physically. Flacco Chanter also struggled in his brief time, but he was up against Dwayne Dedman. I don't think anybody was uh, was really expecting him to dominate in those minutes. Jokic checked back in really quickly in the second quarter. Then Flacco didn't play again. Um, Austin Rivers has been given the kind of the third guard slash forward position. Perhaps Vlaco might be better in that situation at times, but uh, until Denver loses with this rotation, I think this is what Michael Malone will go with going forward. Uh, he wants to latch on to anything that works, and I frankly, I don't blame him. So we're going to have to see. Uh, but Denver was up by 20 with about two minutes left to go, and, and they were able to go to their deep bench and it's really nice to see. Really nice to see that Jokic isn't super heavily relied upon in his first game back. He's going to stay fresh. Hopefully, the vibes continue to move over in, on Wednesday. And we're going to talk about the vibes in the third segment, actually. Let's take a break. We are going to talk about what started off as a pretty bad day, but then turned into something pretty great. We'll be right back.
back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, things started off pretty badly today in, in the, the vibes department. Uh, things were, were really bad when this morning I woke up to uh, Michael Porter is going to be out for uh, at least the foreseeable future. And this one is really more indefinite because he's going to get surgery on his back. And Adrian Wojnarowski had this. I had kind of filed it away as as the most likely scenario after Mike Singer had reported on it the previous week. Uh, this was always the uh, the time where it would trend, and kind of seeing what Denver's schedule was going to be. You heard that Michael Porter was in Florida. Uh, you knew that Denver would be playing against the Miami Heat on Monday. They play against Orlando on Wednesday. I, I said in the mailbag. They're released on Monday before the post, uh, uh, before Woj ultimately tweeted out the info from Mark Bartlestein. Uh, I said that this would be about the time where things would come to a head with that situation. And it's tough that this is what it's going to be. It's tough that it has to be surgery, that this is where we are with Michael Porter. And I kind of assume it's going to be a similar procedure to the one that he had, uh, the microdisectomy. Uh, but Woj also subsequently reported this afternoon kind of uh, in one of the television segments that he was on maybe for NBA Today uh, that they weren't ruling out a return to the uh, a return to the floor this season for him. And I think that's pretty important. I think that that's uh, whether that's actually posturing, whether that's something that's uh, they're just saying to try to get ahead of some of the negative press that that's likely to come out from him having a third back surgery uh we'll just have to see but it would if if he does come back it would likely be towards the end of the regular season or in the playoffs i don't think that they would say anything unless that was an actual possibility uh but we're going to get a better timeline after the surgery uh whenever that is announced whenever uh he will he will be given the surgery and then that surgeon will give Denver a good timeline for when to expect his recovery to be. Uh, That is obviously going to depend on how Porter responds to treatment, on how his back responds to uh, all of the work that's being done. But it is too bad. Very disappointing after he spent so much time getting healthy, working his way back. After he first injured his back in 2017, had another surgery on it in 2018, a second surgery, and then he spent all of the 2018-19 season just getting back into healthy condition, getting ready, and he developed drop foot over the course of uh, the 2019 Summer League and, and wasn't able to participate during then. But then he, the first real impression that Nuggets fans got of him was in the 2019-20 preseason, and he looked pretty good. He was he was a little stiff, but he looked pretty good, and uh, he was always going to work his way back, but athletically, he looked very solid, and that's really bored out over the course of 2019-20, 2020, and 2021 in the bubble in between those two time periods, and then now, where this preseason, he looked pretty good. He clearly wasn't developing, he wasn't dealing with pain, he wasn't dealing with problems, uh, at least until kind of the end of the preseason, I know that for sure. Uh, But when he signed the extension, it was 
it was a situation where Denver thought that they were doing the right thing, and I thought that they were doing the right thing, and I don't think that they would go back and change it uh, and change their process. Like, I, I really don't because I think that they want to believe in him, and they do believe in him, and they believe in this team that if he's a part of it, then they can still be a title contender. And I think they can still be a title contender without him, but what he does is he provides such an interesting and validating layer to their title hopes because there are only so many players in the NBA that can make contested shots at the level that he can. And Jokic is one of them. Murray is another. But uh, Porter is just a different breed where he can shoot over anybody. And the threes that he makes are so valuable because it requires so much attention for the defense to try to cut those off that if he's playing with Murray and Por- with Murray and Jokic, Denver is a championship contender. It's pretty clear. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure what the timeline is going to be. I am very disappointed and hope he can get healthy and work his way back. If he is in line to play at some point later in the season, then that would be super freaking cool. Uh, but I don't want to hold my breath on that. And I don't think the Nuggets want to either. I think that they know that they need to refocus. And that was one of the reasons why I think they got this win. It's because the news came out that he wasn't going to be there. But then they heard that Jokic and Bones were going to be back. And you start to look around that locker room if you're that team. And you think, okay, this is the group that we have. Murray's not coming back for a while. Porter's probably not coming back. Dozier we know is not coming back. And because of that, you can look at the guys that you do have and say, okay, this is our team. This is who we've got to work with. This is our group. And we believe in this group. I think it's fair to say that. The Morris, Barton, Gordon, Jeff Green, Jokic lineup makes a lot of sense. That even when they don't have their main guys in Murray and Porter, you can put in Morris and Green and you still get good versatility, good size, good shooting, good athleticism, solid play from Morris, solid play from Green. You still got to figure out the bench and they might want to add somebody via trade at some point to kind of supplement that wing depth. But for now, you just try to get through it. You just try to figure it out. For right now, they're good. As long as they don't lose anybody else. But it definitely helps the vibes to get back your big Serbian center. Definitely helps the vibes to get back your young, exciting, vibe-filled rookie. And when you get a big win, where you get the 32 to 13 assist to turnover ratio, you shoot 51% from three, you get to the line a bunch in the first quarter, and you really just coast. You're in a situation where things start to feel a little bit simpler. Miami fought back at various occasions, but Denver was in control of this game from basically the opening tip. They played like a team that feels differently when Jokic is out there. They played with confidence. They played with competence. Both of those things are very, very important, and it seems like that's kind of a given, but there's a certain threshold that you reach when Jokic is on the floor. Get the interior presence with him. You get the outside touch. But more than anything, you're always generating either an open shot at all times or a contested shot that can be made. And you can absolutely tell it to a team 
that isn't in your tier in the Miami Heat, you can absolutely tell them about it. Because they were talking a whole bunch of mess. They were talking a lot of garbage after the Markeith Morris Jokic situation. They said, uh, just wait until November 29th. Just wait until we get our hands on you again. And Jimmy Butler goes out and Tyler Hero goes out and they look like a hapless group. Where the only reason they were able to come back was because of Max Struess. What are we talking about here? Miami's not a championship contender. They're not in Denver's tier. They play in the Eastern Conference and that's the reason why they're successful. Pretty simple. The reason why they beat Milwaukee in the bubble last year, a couple years ago, was because Eric Bledsoe had a meltdown. It wasn't because Giannis struggled. He was still putting up great numbers. Eric Bledsoe had a meltdown in the bubble. Then they traded for an actual player in Drew Holiday, and they crushed Miami the next year. Miami brought in Kyle Lowry, who was fantastic tonight. 17 points, 14 assists. Really, really good. Didn't matter. Because they still couldn't shoot. And Denver proves that if you just make shots, if you just generate open shots and then convert on those shots, things feel a lot better than if you're left wondering and searching for why those open shots aren't being made. Denver's up to 19th in three-point percentage on the season. And they can go higher than that. I think this team has proven that if they get open shots, if they generate those looks on a consistent basis, then they're going to be fine. Regression was always going to come. And now that it's finally here, it feels really good. And you start to look around, you realize that, oh wow, Denver is just one game out of fourth place in the Western Conference. How is that even possible? The West in the middle of it is just a flat line. It's a flat surface. Where you've got the three teams that have really separated themselves. Golden State, Phoenix, Utah. The rest of the group is like Dallas, who just was decimated by Cleveland today, while full strength. Then you've got the Lakers, who look hapless at times. You've got Minnesota, who Denver, like they, they feel good about Minnesota no matter what. Got Portland. Denver feels good about Portland no matter what. You've got the Clippers, who are probably the best of that bunch, but I'd still take Denver over them. I think if you play Jokic against the Clippers versus Paul George and company against the Nuggets, I think you feel freaking great about Jokic and the against the Clippers. You still feel good about this team, even without Jamal Murray back, even with the future with Porter very murky. You just have to figure out the other top three teams. And it's going to be tough. That's the toughest reason. And that's it's going to be really, really stressful because PJ Dozier was a big piece of that. Big piece of that puzzle when you go up against three teams that are led by elite backcourts with Conley and Mitchell in Utah, Booker and Paul in Phoenix, and Curry and well, Curry. In, in Golden State, and then everything else that they have around him with Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson coming back, Draymond Green, whatever. You're going to have to figure it out. And the best way to do it is to have good, versatile defensive guards to kind of make it work around your, your foundation. But Denver can make that work, and Jokic can make that work. 
I do believe that. You might need a trade. You might need to kind of figure something out. But it was a great vibe setter. To shoot 51% from three. Take care of business against a team that has no business playing against you. And just making it work. That's pretty much it. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I should be back tomorrow. We'll probably have a discussion uh, just about the Porter situation at large, and then be able to discuss uh, my thoughts on who they could actually go get. And I know that people are very curious about that, so stay tuned for that for sure. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon.